answer, friends, is yes. Yes. Hold on to your socks, friends. <laughs> Jesus is the author and perfecter and finisher of the new covenant. It is a better covenant. And like we talked about last time, it's not like the covenant that he made when he brought the children of Israel out of the house of Egypt, right? It's a new one. But if we're really to grasp the weight and the glory of the new covenant, do you think that maybe we should reference what happened at the inauguration of the first one? Just, just to get a glimpse. And actually, I didn't, I didn't um, pull from Exodus 19 and 20 when he did inaugurate it at Mount Sinai, right? Where the, the shofar was waxing louder and louder and there was fire and billows of smoke. But I want to go actually to the inauguration of the tabernacle. Will you come with me there? Levit- Leviticus chapter 9, <clears throat> excuse me, verses 22 through 24. So God said, I want you to make a tabernacle. They did exactly as, as he said it. Then it was erected in one day on the first of Nisan, 14 days before Passover. And so they go through all the sacrifices and all the sacrifices and all the sacrifices. And then it says in verse 22, then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. And actually the Lord told him in Numbers chapter six, I want you to put my name on the children of Israel, right? And the blessing is this, shalom. Then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. Very interesting. Then he stepped down after making the sin offering and burnt offering and peace offerings. Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting. When they came out and blessed the people, the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Then, this is very interesting. I want you to really, really zone in on the progression of things here. Then fire came out before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering, the portions of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Oh, my friends, this is just with the inauguration of the tabernacle. These are the foundations of our faith. And if Jesus is the author and finisher and perfecter of our faith in the new covenant, could there be something as great as this? Even greater? Yes. Let's go to Luke chapter 24. Verse 50. And he led them out as far as Bethany. So this is after Passover, right? This is after his death, burial, and resurrection. This is actually on the day of his ascension, okay? He led them out as far as Bethany, and he what? 
Oh, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. We've heard this before, right? Because you see, he went through a tabernacle not made with human hands. And he went through the whole process as the high priest of heaven. And who was Aaron? Aaron was the high priest. He was the high priest of Israel, the first high priest. Actually, my oldest son's name is Aaron. But now... Jesus is acting as the high priest. It's like the same thing again. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he parted from them. Remember, Aaron stepped down and, was car- and Jesus was carried up. And they, after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy where they were continually in the temple praising God. But wait, is there more? Yes, there's more. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Because remember, after the tabernacle was inaugurated, there was a fire that came out and consumed the sacrifice, right? Right? When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of... What? Tongues as of... Distributing themselves. And they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Right here we have a watershed passage because when the, when the tabernacle was inaugurated, fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. Is that the only time it happened? Actually, let's think about the inauguration of Solomon's temple, right? Because in Solomon's temple we have something very similar. All these sacrifices are being offered. And then what happens? Fire comes down and consumes the sacrifices, right? Fire from heaven. And then all the people get on their face. They can't even, the priest can't even minister. And they're just saying, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever, right? But if Jesus is the high priest of heaven, And he entered into the tabernacle not made with human hands. What do you think it could mean when fire fell on the people? I urge you, brothers, to offer up your bodies as living. For you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You see, with Yeshua, Jesus as the high priest of heaven, he not only made a way for us to enter, to have access and relationship with the Father, but he also inaugurated a new temple. And that temple is us. We are living stones We are living sacrifices, and we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Can you praise the Lord?
But I want to bring it home because as powerful as all of these things are, and really, it's, it's mind-blowing. How many of you feel like you're just like, with what the Lord... It's just the, it's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. <clears throat> but, as you know, I'm a Messianic Jewish Rebbitzin. <laughs> My calling is to the lost sheep of the house of Israel in the same way that Peter was called to be an apostle to the Jews. My husband and I are called to greater Jewish Phoenix. And I would be remiss if I didn't bring it home to talk about how this affects the Jewish community. What, what does this even mean? Not just, a, not just something in here and not just something in here, but something that affects our neighborhood and our friends and our world. And I want to go to Romans 9. We're going to go to Romans 10 and Romans 11 just with a quick quick verses here, but Romans 9, 10, and 11 are really so important because we have here Rav Shaul Paul, the apostle, who is called as an apostle to the Gentiles, yet in every city that he goes to, where does he go first? He goes to the synagogues because he understands that the key to world revival is Israel's revival. And so he really starts to bear his heart here in Romans 9. And he says, I'm telling the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed. Separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren. Friends, he's willing to give up his salvation. My kinsmen according to the flesh who are Israelites to whom belongs the adoption as sons, the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the temple service and promises. Whose are the fathers and from whom is Christ according to the flesh, who is over all God blessed forever. Amen. Excuse me. Jesus made a way to the Father. But here, why why is even Paul talking about that all of these blessings belong to the house of Israel. It's because the gift and callings of God are irrevocable. Romans 10, 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? How will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good tidings, of good things. Thank you. My friends, I 
I'm sorry. This is what I've given my life for. You all have Jewish friends and family members and neighbors and co-workers come to you destitute, empty, dysfunctional, without hope. But like we talked about last time, you guys remember the whole play Roma thing? When the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, y'all remember that? How it's that filling up. It's not a number, but it's a filling up of anointing and calling. The presence of the Lord. And he's entrusted into you the riches of the Messiah. He's entrusted to you the riches of Messiah. And you know, the more you give it away, you actually don't lose anything, right? If someone destitute comes to you and they're hungry and they're naked and they're bleeding and they might not be on the outside, but on the inside they are, and they come to you and you give them the greater riches of Messiah, you lose nothing. You lose nothing. It just comes more with greater anointing, with greater passion, with greater understanding. You lose nothing. Can you go to the next slide, please? I want to hit this passage again that I talked about last week. For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of the mystery so that you will not be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until, everyone say until, the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And we talked about that word fullness being play Roma, right? It's not like a counter in heaven that somewhere, somewhere in the lost jungles of Africa, there's one last Gentile waiting to be saved. And there's a counter, 900 million, oh, the last Gentile got saved. Excuse me. It's not that. But it's a filling up. It's a filling up up of the presence of God, of the glory of God, of the understanding, the anointing, and the riches of Messiah. And it's so interesting. It says, actually, in other passages, and and this way, and in this way, excuse me, all Israel will be saved. Will you say that with me? All Israel will be saved. Again. Just as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. From the standpoint of the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. Meaning that those who don't have Messiah, we do stand opposed to each other. It's the truth. But from the standpoint of God's choice... They are beloved for the sake of the fathers, for the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. The gospel came first through the house of Israel to the nations. Y'all remember the story of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, right? And then it spread throughout the nations. It spread, it spread, it spread. 
And now it's time for it to come back to the house of Israel. But it's going to come back to the hands of the Gentiles. Will you open up your hands with me? For if their rejection of Messiah means reconciliation for the world, how much greater riches will their fullness bring? So, Lord, we open ourselves to you. We thank you that for the relationship between Jews and Gentiles, that we are all one in Messiah, that we need each other, Lord. And we ask you, Lord, that we would be willing to share the gospel. Not willing, but eager. Eager and excited to share the gospel with all people, including the Jewish people. That you have entrusted to us the greater riches of Messiah, the greater riches of your presence, the greater riches of the new covenant, Lord. And we just quiet ourselves, Lord, to receive your heart. Can I ask you for a moment just to quietly pray in your seat for the Jewish community of Greater Phoenix? And if you don't know what to pray, just quiet your heart and wait for the Lord to stir that up within you. We're just going to sit here quietly for about a minute. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for filling us with fire and wisdom and understanding and revelation, Lord. And we ask today that you would seal what you have accomplished in this meeting together with us, that you would seal it in our hearts, that you would seal it in our spirit, and we open ourselves to you for greater revelation of your heart for Israel, the Jewish people, and the nations. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, our Sar Shalom, our Prince of Peace. Amen. Thank you, guys. Their website is on here, and if you